Let me mention, uh, as we're getting ready here, we're going to have a great response to the Lord in worship in just a moment, but I want you to multitask with me. Get your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 6. If you brought your Bibles this morning, I hope you all did. Um, We're starting a series called For King and Country, and everybody got excited. You thought we were having a concert this morning. I I love the... uh, I loved all the Facebook banter going on. But hey, how about this? We might just have for King and Country in our new sanctuary because it'll accommodate um, that. We're going to be able to do all kinds of fun new things that I think you guys will appreciate. Um, But this topic on the kingdom of God is a huge topic and an important topic and one of my favorite topics. How many of you know the kingdom was the main focus of the ministry of Jesus? Jesus talked about the kingdom all the time. And I just have this silly feeling that if Jesus talked about something a lot, it's probably important. What do you guys think? Like if Jesus mentioned it a lot, we should probably pay attention. When we get into the kingdom and the ministry of Jesus, we're going to establish the fact that Jesus really, really, really talked about the kingdom a lot. Uh, We'll show you that. But I want to start off today in Matthew chapter 6, and, and just to let you guys know, this, this series is going to be somewhat of a more teaching series, although I'm sure we'll get into some preaching, but we're always going to get into some, not only proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom, but I, I, want, to, I want to connect some dots for you guys. Like, how about, you know, at the end of every service, we have prayer teams up here to pray. Well, what's that all about, Pastor? Because Jesus not only proclaimed the gospel, he demonstrated the gospel, and I just want to encourage you, we should never just talk about Jesus or talk about stuff in the Bible or talk about things Jesus did without giving Jesus a chance to keep doing what he's doing. And so some churches become like historical societies. They just talk about the old days and what happened a long time ago. We're not a historical society. We're the church of the living God, amen? Which means God is still on the move today. In places where he's welcome, in places where people believe in him, in places where we still... How many you know, when we read through the Gospel of Mark, can you guys... If you read a natural reading of the Bible, okay, like with no theological template on top of it, no denominational template on top of it, just read the Bible. How many of you know you cannot read through the Gospels without seeing Jesus radically encountering people? They get saved... They get freedom from oppression, that there's demonic spirits that leave, their bodies are healed, dead people are raised, lepers are cleansed. How many of you know that's all through the Gospels, everywhere, the ministry of Jesus? And then you get into the book of Acts. You don't even have to get in the book of Acts. You can already start in the Gospels. At some point, Jesus says, hey, you guys get to play the game too. You guys get to do this stuff. We do? Yeah, you get to, you get to play. Wow. And Jesus starts commissioning the disciples. Is that, is that in your Bible? And then you go to the book of Acts. And what's happening in the book of Acts? It's like Jesus never ascended. It's like all the people he prayed over and commissioned, it's the same stuff. And then you get to today, and we have all kinds of denominations that explain why none of that's supposed to happen today. Based not on the Bible, but based on their lack of experience of of New Testament realities. And so all I'm telling you is the the gospel of the kingdom keeps us balanced because it helps us understand that we're living in a day when Christ has inaugurated something very, very powerful. The kingdom has been inaugurated. 
but the fullness of the kingdom has not yet come. And so it keeps us from pretending like Jesus isn't doing any of this because he most certainly is, but it keeps us from acting like we're already arrived and the fullness has already come because it hasn't. So we're living in this really awkward period from a human standpoint between the already and the not yet, which is a powerful phrase. The already, the kingdom of God has been manifest in our midst. Jesus brought the kingdom. We're going to talk about that this morning. But the not yet, meaning there's the fullness of the expression of the kingdom that is yet to come. And so we're living in a battleground right now on planet Earth. We're going to experience victories, and we're going to experience some defeats. Welcome to life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But we are always prisoners of that hope that we have because the kingdom has come and because the kingdom is coming. And so we live in that tension, but we're always upbeat. We're always full of faith. We're always prisoners of hope because Jesus has inaugurated something really, really powerful. And we keep pressing in and pressing in and pressing in, which takes us to where I want to start this morning, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. You all know this. We say this. It's a learned prayer. It's a a model prayer that Jesus gave the, the disciples, and you can say it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Hallelujah. What a powerful prayer. There's two times in there Jesus referred to what we're talking about this morning. What's he talking about? The The kingdom. Take a look with me. First of all, we have a Father in heaven. (laughs) Hallelujah. Listen to what the Bible says about our Father in heaven. Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord has made the heavens his throne, and from there he rules over everything. We have a Father in heaven who is sitting on a throne who rules over everything now. All right? Hallowed be his name. Your kingdom come. How many of you know he's not just a father? If he has a kingdom, then he must be a king. king. We have a father who's a king. What a beautiful combination. A father who reigns in power and glory, and that glory and power are breaking into human history. And so this is what we pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the model for the church of Jesus Christ. What are we contending for? We want earth to look like it does in heaven. We want the reign of God to break through planet earth so that our communities, our families, our marriages, our personal lives look like heaven on earth in us. We pray, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This way, why do we know that we pray for sick people? Because there's no sick people in heaven. Why do we pray for demons to be cast off of people's life and oppression? Because there's no demonic power ruling in heaven. We want to bring the reality of heaven to earth, and we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth, even as it is in heaven. That is a pregnant prayer of God's people. Now, do we always see that? No. Will we see the perfection of that? No, not until Jesus comes, but we're pulling the presence of the future into the now. The opposite is... Sit around, expect God to do nothing, and be miserable the rest of your life. Not a good alternative. 
says, deliver us from the evil one. Why do we need to be, why did Jesus say, pray this, deliver me, be delivered from the evil one? Because you're under attack now. The contested battleground is planet Earth. And let me make it more personal. The contested battleground is your heart this morning and your life this morning. We are in a spiritual war which is why Jesus said, pray that God would deliver you from the power of the evil one. Because he's out there, and he's serious, and he's playing for keeps. So we're going to talk about spiritual warfare in this series. Let me just say, we're going to talk about praying for healing in this series. We're going to talk about praying uh, uh, authority over the demonic in this series. We're going to get real practical, because the goal is so you guys can get in the game and have fun. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. What a declaration from the mouth of Jesus. So God's intention is that his righteous rule would be established, I mean, you know, in every nation on planet Earth. Now, we shared when we were in uh, the Gospel of Mark, Christ is not going to return until every nation, every ethnic group has had a chance to hear about the good news of the Gospel. How many of you know that's the reign of God breaking in every single nation? Now, the fullness of that will not come again until Christ returns, but we see embassies of Christ. We see kingdoms, uh, churches, uh, kingdom uh, people raised up in every nation of the world because that's what God's doing because he is large and he is in charge. He's establishing his righteous rule in every nation. And I'll maybe you know, even this morning, our Christian hope is firmly rooted in terms of the king and his coming kingdom. What is the blessed hope? It's a glorious return of Jesus Christ, our Savior and King, and it's being ushered into the fullness of of his rule over our lives and over the nations of the world. So when will this kingdom of God come? Jesus said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. When, when is the kingdom coming? Well, how many of you know what separates Christianity apart from every other religion is our understanding that we're moving, we started in a certain place and we're moving toward a certain destination. In other words, when you hear confused Christian people say they believe in reincarnation, how many of you know that's not like part of our worldview? Like, we don't reincarnate. That's, 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 that's paganism. We are moving from a, a very definite beginning to a very definite ending. We're right in the middle of that blessed hope right now, but we know that Christ is coming uh, at the end of human history. So this term kingdom refers to God's rule, his reign, his kingship, and his sovereignty. And yet, how many of you know in the body of Christ there's lots of different theological understandings of the kingdom of God. Some people sweep it all to the future. Some people sweep it to the millennial reign. Um, there's all different uh, ideas and conceptions. But let me tell you why it's so complex. I'm going to give you just kind of the full scope of Scripture this morning as it relates to understanding the kingdom. And, and, and this will help you understand the complexity of how this term is used in the Bible. First thing, the kingdom is a present reality. Everybody say present. It was inaugurated by Jesus. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 28. But if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then, notice the if, then. If I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then what? Then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. Every time Jesus encountered a demonic spirit, it was a collision between two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light. And every time Jesus spoke and those demons fled and, and those people were delivered, it was a sign that his kingdom is more powerful than the kingdom of darkness. And it was a sign that the kingdom had arrived in human history. Now, this is important. Jesus brought the kingdom. 
Jesus brought the power. Jesus brought the authority. Jesus brought the reign. There's something unique about Christ coming that he is inaugurating uh, the presence of the future. All right? Take a look at the next verse. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. How many of you have been born again? It means in certain language, you have been rescued from one kingdom, darkness, and brought into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear son. When did that occur? It's, it's present tense. How many of you know we're born again now? Uh, if you're in this room and you're breathing, there was a moment in your life when God supernaturally plucked you out of darkness and put you into a different kingdom. So how many of you know right now we have the power to live in a different realm? I don't know about you. I want to live in the kingdom of God right now. Does this make sense? All right, look at Luke chapter 16, verse 16. Until John the Baptist, the law of Moses, and the messages of the prophets were your guides. But now, everybody say now. now. The good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone is eager to enter in. So when John the Baptist came, when Christ came, they began, they said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, people are fighting to get in. Like, where do I sign up? I mean, you know, this should be the testimony of every church that loves Jesus in America. How do I get to join your club? Where can I sign up for the kingdom of God? How do I get in? I want to be like you guys. This is amazing. I want to experience what you're experiencing. So it's a present reality. But how many of you know it's also a future reality? Look at the next point, Matthew 25, 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom that's been prepared for you from the creation of the world. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 11. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is so awesome. There is a day coming when Christ returns when we are literally be, be ushered into a kingdom that is part of our inheritance that will be bestowed upon us, full citizens of the kingdom of God forever and ever and ever. Uh, that's going to be awesome. Where Jesus reigns as king and where there's not any rebellion towards his leadership. So it's a future reality. It's a present reality. Well, look at number three. It's an internal reality. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, we might get into the teaching on this because this is a fun teaching, but this is a great template. How do I know on a day-to-day -day basis if I'm living in the kingdom of God? Well, the Bible tells us it's an internal reality. In other words, people that are living under the reign of God are people who are walking in right relationship with God, righteousness, right thinking about life based on the Word of God, there is a presence of the King inside of them which brings peace. How many of you know agitation, frustration, fear? That's not part of our kingdom. It's part of the kingdom of Satan. And they're moving in a spirit of joy. Joy and peace. Let me ask you today, are you living in the kingdom? You can be saved and living in the devil's kingdom. You're going to heaven. You're just miserable. There's a lot of Christians living this way. So whenever I get agitated, I go, wait a minute. This is not part of the kingdom. Whenever, whenever I lose my joy, I go, whoop, time out. 
What knocked me out of the kingdom? Not out of salvation, out of the kingdom. Because there's a domain that is an internal realm inside of the believer that should manifest the fruit of the, king, of the king's reign in my life. So I can live in a kingdom dimension now. I mean, you know, Jesus was sleeping in the boat. The disciples, and then, they, and then they said, you don't care about us. Jesus is like, I'm trying to teach you how to live in the kingdom. Pull up a pillow and chill out. So the kingdom's present, the kingdom's future, the kingdom's internal, the kingdom's external. Well, what is it, pastor? I know, it's all of it. Look at verse 3, John 3, 3. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, I just want to say this. Sometimes during worship, like today, I was just over, overwhelmed by the sweetness of the, of the presence of God. I mean, you know, when God touches you, you're swinging about gratitude, tears are running down. I'm, I'm, I'm looking around seeing the kingdom. This is not happening out there. This is happening where God's people are gathered. When you see, when you go out in our foyer. Okay. Hey, I've been up to professional baseball games all right, in Chicago. Cubs, socks, all that, out there in those big lobbies they have. Nobody's running around hugging each other like we do every Sunday morning. <laughs> That's not the kingdom. There's something tangible that you can see. The kindness, the goodness, the faith, the love, the peace, the generosity. You can see the kingdom when it, and before your eyes. It's beautiful. The kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. The Bible says, I love this. Psalm 145, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. Ah, aren't you glad in the midst of what's going on in the world, as the birth pains intensify and everything that can be shaken will be shaken, aren't you glad that there's a king who is sitting on his throne, that all that's going on is under his providential decree and that he's working all things for the good of those who love him. I just get such peace recognizing the power that I have a father, daddy, God who is a king. He's not just a nice guy. He's a king with absolute authority and power and his kingdom will go on without end. It's an everlasting kingdom. And I want you to see this, because this attributes to the greatness of our God. His kingdom is a universal kingdom. It's universal in its scope. Psalm 103, verse 19, the Lord has made the heavens his throne, and from there he rules over everything. I love these power verses about God. He rules over everything. There's nothing that catches him by surprise. There's nothing that he is not somehow allowing for his greater purposes, and someday we will understand that. But here's what I am absolutely confident in, that no matter how the winds blow or how the ground under our feet is shaken, God is still firmly seated on the throne of the universe, and it is all good, all right? It is all good. So what is the meaning of kingdom? Let me hit this quickly, and then we're going to respond this morning. A kingdom is literally the rule of God. It involves the authority to rule. It involves the reign or sovereignty. And so when you look, for instance, at Mark chapter 10, verse 15, an important verse, 
If I tell, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter into it. Now, he's not talking here about an actual kingdom or talking about a realm over which a king reigns. He's talking about the fact that the government of God demands our complete submission. So what, what is Jesus saying here? He, he says, if you want to enter the kingdom, you have to humble yourself like a little child. In other words, you have to recognize you're not the boss and that you have a boss. And what God is looking for is joyful submission to the reign of God over our lives. In other words, he's looking for faithful subjects. How many of you know kingdoms have subjects? Kings have subjects. What is God looking for? He's looking for us to humble ourselves. In fact, the first word in Jesus' sermon was repent. The first word in John's gospel, repent. In other words, we have to stop acting like we're in charge. Some people, it's not enough that they're in charge of their own life. They want to control everybody else's life. I'm not trying to make fun of that. I'm just saying, like, I can't even control my life. Anybody realize the hardest person you'll ever rule is you? I can't even control me. How, why should I think I'm in charge of the universe? I can't even control me most of the time. I need the Holy Spirit to help me. In fact, I, I wasn't made to be in control. I was made to be submitted to a great king who's a father. And so you can't even enter the kingdom until you come like a little kid. Uppy, uppy, uppy. That's what my little grandkids kids used to do. Uppy, uppy, uppy. What is that? Doesn't sound very sophisticated. But it's very kingly. It shows that there's a big strong daddy or big strong grandpa that can pick you up and hold you in his arms. And it's a safe place. And you don't have to think about life because there's somebody more mature and stronger and better and more equipped to focus on it all than you. And so, listen to me, when you humble yourself and you become a joyfully submitted uh, member of God's kingdom, a subject to the king, then you get to experience all the blessings of the king and his reign in your life. But can you see what I'm talking about? I'm, this is an issue of authority. I want to ask you this morning, have, has Jesus, have you handed him the authority uh, to rule and reign you? Because that's what it means to be saved. It doesn't mean you pray a prayer, you came to an altar, you filled out a card. All of that could be fine, and it, it could be the means by which you came into the kingdom. But God looks at your heart, and if you didn't humble yourself, and if you haven't to this very day, let him be the authority over your life. You're just kidding yourself. Amen. Look at what Matthew 6.33 says. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. What does that mean? Seek God's righteousness. It means seek his way, seek his rule, seek his reign in my life. Lord, it's not about me. Seek first the kingdom of God. What do you want, mighty king? What do you want to do in my life? And then God says, if you'll seek first his will, to accomplish through you. He will take care of everything else in your life. I mean, you know, that sounds like a good deal. Yeah. That sounds like a good deal. 
So when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're not really praying for heaven to descend to earth. We're not really asking God to establish, you know, brick and mortar kingdom on planet earth. Really, this is what we're saying. Lord, we want to see the power of your righteous rule on planet earth. How I many you know revival is just a breakout of the power and the glory and the greatness of God so that people cannot ignore how awesome he is? In fact, when God does stuff like that, when he, when he shows up in a location and he demonstrates the king and the kingdom, people are healed, people are saved, people are overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit, people are flocking to know the Lord. Dick and Susie Bash just said when, when the Iron Curtain fell and the gospel went into this former Soviet Union, people were getting saved by the acre, they said. Oh, that people would get saved by the acre in America again. Oh, that we would see the things we sing about, the things we sung about this morning, that we would see a fresh move of God in our time. That's what I'm talking about. That's, Lord, let your kingdom come. What are we saying? I want you to join me this morning. What, what are we saying? I want your kingdom to come to living stones. What are we saying? That when you walk into this place, you would feel an awareness of a presence from another place, that you would feel the authority of God on your life, that you would have a spirit of faith that would drive out unbelief in your heart, and that you would know that when God is among his people, nothing is impossible. There's no problem any person has that's bigger than God. That's what we're praying for when we say, Lord, let your kingdom come. For a manifestation of the rule and the reign of God in our midst, in me, in you. And so part of the reason why I was a blubbering mess over there this morning singing these songs is because they really capture what we're after. Like, have you guys figured out, this is not just come to church. There is something to be experienced in God that should whet our appetite. Like when you got born again, there was something that happened to you that said, I, I want to experience more. And you're not satisfied. You're not satisfied until you're dead and resurrected because you're forever a prisoner of the hope that is ours now and that is ours that is coming. And so we continue to reach into the future. And pull it into the present. Because that's what Jesus did. He inaugurated a whole new set of rules when he came to planet Earth. And so stand to your feet. I want to I respond this morning. I want to respond this morning. This is my question. I want you to personalize it because we're just starting off this series. Maybe you don't personalize it. Maybe you just reflect and recommit, but I guess there's two groups of people here as we're singing about the goodness of God. Can you just shut your eyes where you're at? It doesn't matter what people around you are thinking. I just want to ask you this simple question. Is Jesus Christ reigning in your life now? Have you given the keys to the car over to him? Is he driving? Is your heart yielded and submitted joyfully, not out of some fear of the future, but joyfully as a son or as a daughter? 
Are you submitted to the reign of God in your life? And if you are, there's something really beautiful about just lifting your hands like uppy, 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 and just simply saying to the Lord, take my life. I love you. I worship you. Take my life. And if you don't know Christ this morning, I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come down. We want to pray for you this morning. If you have not consciously made him king of your entire existence, that's what it means to be born again. I want you to slip out of your seat. I want you to come down. There's going to be some wonderful people up front waiting for you. They want to pray for you. But let's worship our way out this morning. I want the, the worship team to lead us in this great song. We're going to, we're going to encourage our soul not to be shy and to declare that the king has come and he's reigning in us. So Sarah and Van, go ahead and lead us. Let's worship. Let's worship.